Okay, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We got another great show tonight. We got an interesting guest calling in. I'm your host, Robert. So let's uh, smoke some tires. Okay, that's an oldie. That song was Born Under a Bad Sign by Albert King. Now, there's a lot of guys that did a whole bunch of variations of that song. And uh, I think his is the original one. I'm not sure. But anyway, hey, um, tonight, let's see. We got, uh, we got a special guest calling in. And, uh, and this is going to be a phone call in. So we may not play as much music as we normally do. Uh, this is a real interesting guy. He's been around for a long time. And uh, I think we're trying to get him on the phone here in a few minutes. I know he, last time I talked to him a little while ago, uh, he was on his way home. So we'll just jibber-jabber here for a few minutes. Maybe we'll squeak in another song. And, um, but he's been around. He's from the Chicago area. He used to do a lot of road. Started out doing some uh, road ra- or roundy-round racing, uh, asphalt racing. Then got a little drag racing. Got some real cool stories, some real cool guys. He eventually got into a place... Um, his own speed shop. I think he took it over from somebody, and I don't remember the, the whole details, but when we get him on the air, we'll have him talk about that. And um, 
So, uh, but he's got a real interesting store up in uh, Chicago, and it's called the Chevy Shop. So, you know, and me being a Ford guy. Uh, also, by the way, I want to say uh, hello to Alan. Alan sitting in with us again. Hi, how y'all doing? Yeah, and uh, Alan's turned into a regular now. You know, yeah. so uh, trying to get a word in edgewise, but it's a little hard here. Trying to get a word in edgewise, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, how we doing? We got him on the phone. All right, let's uh, cue up this one little song real quick. Our little intro song for our guest. She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409. Well, I save my pennies and I save my dimes. Okay, uh, it's time to introduce our guest from Chicago, and uh, that would be Bob from the Chevy Shop. Bob, are you there? I'm here. You're here. Okay, how you doing? I heard you had a little uh, drive home there, huh? Yeah. So now you know why I played that song. Anytime I have a special guest, I always play a song that kind of uh, is significant to the to the to that particular individual. You know, they may have been a car, maybe in a time, a place, a situation. But at one point, I know you mentioned you had a '63 409. So. uh, You can uh, tell us a little bit about that, but what I'd really like you to do is get into uh, how you got in the car business and tell us a little bit about that. Uh, it all happened by accident. Okay. A friend of mine and I, we were racing stock cars, and uh, we rented this building to just store our equipment in. Well, we had a valve machine and uh, some cleaning machines and kept our tires and wheels and engines in there and uh, one day, a guy said to me, uh, hey, you do valve jobs? I said, well, just for ourselves. He said, you think you can do one valve for me? I got a race tonight. Yeah, okay. So I ground two seats and put his heads together, and away he went. And then uh, we wound up uh, meeting a guy at a racetrack in Chicago, Harris Stadium, a circle track place. Yeah, they just, people just started coming over to this little store we rented, and drink beer, smoke, pop, start, uh, they just accidentally bought some of our used motors, got some cylinder heads done, uh, and we, we wound up buying M&H Racemaster tires, selling tires, so we had new tires on our car every night, which makes you a winner when you got fresh rubber all the time. It's wound up selling to use them one night, selling to someone else developed an accidental business. It wasn't intentional. It just happened. And then all accidental. Okay. And then about what year was this? The early sixties. Early sixties? Yeah. Okay. And what was the Actually, name? Uh, in the fifties, but I didn't uh, I didn't uh, start that business on paper until sixty two. Uh huh. And we kept it a little low key. Uh uh, till uh, we started making money racing, and I, you have to declare your profits from your your W twos, you know. And so we actually turned it into a legitimate business. And it's still on. A friend of mine, Bob Roper, who raced stock cars, and we were like kind of partners in cars. Okay, it wasn't and- intentional. It just happened by accident. Well, that's cool. Okay, so going back to uh, you said you raced um, uh, stock cars. What year did you start racing stock cars? I actually started fooling around with him at O'Hare Stadium in uh, 1956 and 57. Uh-huh. And uh, hobby stock classes. 
and then after you get a couple of years' experience, you move up to a sportsman class, and and if you can afford it, you go to a late model class, which was higher class automobiles, a lot faster, and money, bigger money to be paid out. And then, you know, you had to really be something, or whether you're just going to make circles and lose all your money. But luckily, uh, we had a couple quality drivers, and uh, they actually earned money. Now, we didn't make any money, but it's that's the old joke. Start off with $2 million and wind up with $1 million. You made a million. You made a million. And uh, you were telling me earlier, too, that um, uh, some of the old racetracks that were there at one point that weren't, but one that's most notable is you said they did some racing at Soldier Field. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah, the late 50s, early 60s, Soldier Field, where the uh, the Bears play football. The, the way the stadium was built, it, it had a real big high 10, 12-foot wall all around the side. So all the, the seats came down, and you there was like a, a running track on the outside perimeter that got paved, and it became a 3-8 paved indoor stadium track. And uh, you had a lot of well-known guys, USAC drivers. Uh, guys from around here, uh, some of the notables would be a guy like uh, Fred Lorenzen, who wound up going to NASCAR. Uh, Elmer Musgrave and his, his kids. And a lot of other fellas that became popular and actually went down south, down to the Carolinas, and got involved in uh, cup racing as not maybe drivers, but helpers and people that hung out and built motors and not like the caliber of today. Would you know it's all commercialized and corporate racing today. Uh huh. Tell us the story about Golden Chariots and what that's all about too. I remember you mentioned that a little earlier. Those those were all just junk cars, and uh, you'd have to knock all the windows out and uh, chain chain the doors closed with chain and a lock. And uh, our driving suit was a pair of sneakers and a helmet, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a t-shirt. And a t-shirt, safety That's equipment. You're driving, yeah. No safety equipment, but they didn't go very fast. I mean, you didn't have to have fuel cells or anything, and the, no nobody. Because it was a high bank track, and with those cheap cars, nobody went out and did any suspension work or anything. That was just the beginner's class. Later on, uh, you know, you you had to fabricate your own cars in them days. You know, you couldn't buy anything like you do today. Uh huh. Everything was uh, self hands on, and everybody became their own mechanic and engineer. You know. And then you had uh, you had women in that class, and you had men in that class, and then what were the well, what had, was the distinction? Yeah, you had some women. They they were in the pink chariots. Pink chariots. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The cars were painted pink? Their wives and girlfriends drove the pink chariots. Uh-huh. They had their flame-retardant T-shirts on, too. <laughs> yeah. And then the, and the men drove what? The gold cars, then, I presume, right? The gold cars, yeah. Okay, cool. That was strictly all beginner, you know, like uh, today they might call it the hobby stock or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that was kind of like, you know, rounding around, kind of like in its, uh, in its infancy, and I would imagine that in different geographic locations they were, you know, everybody just kind of, you know, uh, kind of run what you brung type thing. So, I mean, they were just, like yeah. you said, just cars, they were just beaters, junkers that were just probably one step away from the junkyard. And uh, they figured That's them to get... basically what they were. Yeah, one last hurrah. <laughs> and uh, what, are some of the, what are some of the other tracks that were around back then that you guys used to race back in the late 50s that are no longer there? You were telling me about Metaldale, that was uh, one? Well, Wednesday was, uh, Wednesday was Soldier Field. Uh-huh. Thursday was a track up in Wisconsin, Lake Geneva Speedway. Uh-huh. 
and then Friday you had uh, Mazan Speed Bowl, Mazan, Illinois. That that closed up in '69, and it became Grundy County Speedway in Morris, Illinois, in '69 and '70. That's still operating today. On a Friday night, and then Saturday night you would race uh, Rockford Speedway, uh, Waukegan Speedway, Ileana Speedway, just just in Illinois and. Northern Illinois and uh, Northern Indiana, you had those tracks. Mm-hmm. They're all like within 50, 70 miles of Chicago. You had other tracks too in Wisconsin. I always had a lot of them mm-hmm. right over the border. But, what uh, were the names of some of the other drivers? You mentioned Musgrave. You mentioned Roper. Um, Lorenzen. Lorenzen, which he raced Fords, if I remember yeah. correctly, right? Galaxies right. and stuff like that. Home yeah, he was home in motor cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then what about Trickle? Didn't you mention Dick Trickle? Or, uh, Trick- Dick one- Trickle was from Wisconsin, and he didn't. He didn't come to Illinois till the mid seventies. Uh huh. Roper and his boss formed a racing association called Art Go Racing, which uh, became pretty popular. And it was it was sold to a guy John McCarns, who had Art Go for thirty years. And I remember the first race we had; it was a memorial race for the owners of Grundy County Speedway, and uh, we wanted to make a big special event with a big payout. I mean, we paid five thousand dollars out back in nineteen seventy-five, and we got Mark Martin there. He was sixteen years old. He was wearing his little driving suit. It was up over his ankles. Rusty Wallace, <laughs> in his sixty-six car, and Trickle from Wisconsin. Joe Shear, Tom Refner, uh, got Bob Seneker and Mike Eddy. These guys from Michigan uh-huh. got every fast short track guy you could think of to come to that race. And it was so so successful. We we wound up doing only three races in one fiscal year. We made. I'm not going to mention how much money we made. Uh, we, we had to get out of it, and that, that's what it, it became a full time deal. The Art Go Racing, and you had you had to have you had to do it full time if you wanted to be successful. And that's why uh, Mr. Frigo sold it out to this John McCarns, who was a track announcer at a couple places. Mm-hmm. And he just retired from that now. He's had it for over 30-some years. His son still does it, but uh, I don't really know if it's still called Artco anymore. It might be called NASCAR Norris or All-Star or All-Pro, something like that. Uh-huh. Now, do you still stay in contact with some of these drivers? I know you mentioned Roper, Bob Roper. He's uh, you, He said he lives here in Florida sometime. And you come he down... lives in Kissimmee, Florida, yeah. Okay. He, he moved away a few years ago, and he was back up here three weeks ago. Uh, I don't know what or why he came back here for some personal reasons, but he had to leave town. And uh, the local guys from uh, from around here, the old men, you had Whitey Gherkin, who was actually working for us when he got killed at Ileana Speedway. I, matter of fact, underneath my workbench in the back, I still have the motor that he was working on. I didn't touch any of it. He got killed in 73. The throttle stuck wide open oh. at Ileana Speedway, and I... I still have everything underneath my bench. I just look at it and like I'm talking to old Whitey all the time. No kidding. Little he could stop. drive anything and make it make it win. Uh huh. How about you this? Had, you had, you had Whitey Gherkin. You had uh, uh, the uh, Gene Marmer. He Les Snow, the NASCAR guy. You had Butch Hartman. Uh, the uh, Martinelli and Johnson brothers or. Uh, racers from O'Hare Stadium, uh, Musgrave, uh, Roger McCluskey, uh, 
even had Eddie Sachs and Don White. Uh, it's hard to remember a lot of names. Cowboy O'Rourke, Skippy Mike. Uh, how many of these guys are? Uh, how many of these guys wound up down south and and uh, and big NASCAR racing? I think uh, Bobby Walwack. He's he's deceased now. Uh, John Kennedy. Uh, I'm trying to think of. How about this Bob Dodder guy or Doder guy? You're oh, telling Bob me. Bob Dodder, yeah, he was a he raced around here and he uh, he ran ARCA. Uh huh. You know the the, uh, the third uh, division of uh, NASCAR. Uh-huh. He was a Dodder was a champion in uh, 1980, 81, and 83. Uh huh. He actually would have won in uh, 82. He lost the points championship in the last race. The guy got in a in a in an accident working for a coal company, and he got his his hand cut off, and he had to wear a hook, and the, his nickname was the Hook, uh-huh. and he'd drive with one hand. And I remember the first time we went to uh, Talladega to race, and that was when he had big blocks in the cars. They had an old Oldsmobile that he bought from uh, a guy named uh, Ron Bouchard, number forty-seven. It was a a cup car. And uh, they took that thing and uh, had a big block Chevrolet in it, made it into an Oldsmobile sheet metal. And I'll never forget being in the pit steward's office, where a guy guy come running in. Hey, hey, hey! We got a we got a guy with one hand trying to race, and the steward says, "Stop the guy! Stop the guy!" And he says, "It's too late." And the, the steward's figuring that he crashed or something. He says, "It's too late." He says, but "Is he okay?" He goes. Yeah, he's on the pole. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be darned. Oh yeah, one-handed. One-handed. You know, we uh, we invented power steering for this guy. Oh no kidding. He used to, he used to drive with his uh, his hand cupped on the steering wheel, and after we put power steering on this thing, he could drive just like a normal car with his hand over the top. Uh huh. And uh, he he was a real successful ARCA racer. Just a so-so short track racer, but he was in Arca. He was real good. Well, that's another great. guy that uh, guy that raced with him was Bob Schacht. Schacht's still around today down there in in uh, North Carolina. He's, I think, Schacht was uh, building cars for somebody over in Baja Rain or something. Some new track they built in the Persian Gulf or something. Oh, really? Venturini, Venturini's father, and Bill Venturini Jr. and his son, they're racing ARCA. He's got like five cars in ARCA right now. They're all winners, too. Well, since you're on the Rini thing, uh, you got some stories about Andy Granatelli, too, right? And there's a name that most people yeah, recognize. Well, and, yeah, and, Mr. Rini's uh, a relative of Granatelli. I, oh. I, hung, I hung out at, uh, at as a young kid. My name was Gopher. Gopher the coffee. <laughs> Gopher, Gopher this. But Granatelli had a, a shop uh, real close to where the brothers and the Raftman brothers had a shop in Chicago. It was called Grand Core. Uh-huh. I don't know what Grand Core meant. It might have meant Granatelli Grand Corporation, Corporation yeah. or something. Yeah. You know, he had a shop and uh, built cars, custom cars, and that was before he was getting involved with STP and some circle track cars, you know. But he's still around. Uh, not around here, but he's he's still he's still mixing up mud, you know, the, the Vince and Joe Granatelli, and now I guess his uh, son, J.R., runs the Granatelli Supercharger con- Company out in California. Mm-hmm. 
So when they were uh, in Chicago, they had what a fabrication shop. That's what they did. Yeah. And they worked on what stock cars and indie cars and what else did they stock do? Stock cars, and then he, then he got involved in the indie car type stuff. Uh huh. He had that that turbine car with Parnelli Jones driving it. That oh, was yeah. a real unique car. Did you get a chance to but see that had, car? You had the the, the indie car guys, the Rathman brothers, Flaherty, and I think Granatelli might have involved with the guy that won the. The 1950 Indy race. I'm trying to think of his name. I think he was. That was his first venture in it. Uh, I can't think of Parsons. Not Parsons. Nah, I can't remember who it is now. But <laughs> we, we won't hold that against you. It was only a few yeah. years ago. But uh, yeah, you were telling me too that uh, in your shop there, some of the guys, some of the 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 big time guys would hang out with Granatelli and stuff like that, and then wind up sitting oh, over yeah, your shop. Would have a they would race uh, the 500. There was a real nice restaurant next to my shop that became like a mainstay for uh, automotive uh, parts representatives and salesmen. And they'd all say, let's go over by Bob and go into that restaurant. I got pictures of uh, uh, Roger Penske sitting at our counter there. Uh, Austin Coyle, John Forces crew chief, he's sitting there. I got the picture of a little Tony Schumacher sitting there. I sold him a block for his Chevelle. Not his father, but Tony, you know, the kid. Uh-huh. Uh Paul Newman, you said, used to come in your shop? Paul, oh, yeah, Paul Newman. With, uh, actually, I got some pictures of Paul Newman and uh, Tom Cruise with a movie to color money because a friend of mine owned the place where they shot that movie, so I got pictures of them there. Uh-huh. But I got... Uh, 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 AJ Floyd up there. I got uh, Bobby Unser. Uh, guys that have been around, they didn't come by me because they'd go to their restaurant. Uh huh. You know, then they'd uh, we'll see what this place has got. You know, and then you, you the guy in the restaurant tells the guy, "Well, yeah, these guys race stock cars." No kidding. You know, they you talk to them. They were a nice gentleman. Mm hmm. But we were, you know, we were nobodies. They were all the people. You know. Uh-huh. Look where they're look where the guys that are left today where they're at. That's true. So uh, and women in Canassi racing, you know, all big shots, you know. Mm-hmm. Corporate racing people. Well, that's what it's evolved into. You know, it used to be that it was kind of like a hobbyist. The guy, you know, just was just the enthusiast that could get together put together an affordable race car, go out to do some short track truck or roundy round stuff and have fun, you know. It's a, and yeah. and now it's just gotten yeah. to be They used to call it stock car racing. Stock car racing, yeah. yeah operative order. order a, 66 Belvedere, and it'd come to his shop, and it'd be a radio delete car, be body in white, and they'd do little modifications to it and go racing. That's exactly and then right. And when they won on Sunday, the guy would go, Hey, I'll buy a car just like that at the dealer on Monday with a V8 carburetors, four speed, and a Dana 60. And you could buy exactly what won the night before. Yeah, because back uh, then you well, could. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that's quite true because I was at Mr. Norm's Dodge where when Gary Dyer and Kenny Safford ran the, the supercharged cars, the fun, first funny cars, starting in like 74 and 5. Mm-hmm. Norm Krause would order these uh, Hemis, the two-doors, with nothing in them, and they were they were factory race cars. Aluminum front ends, and uh, they you, you could go buy one. Tell us you about actually could, you actually could go buy an old '69 Camaro out of the parts book with a lot of special suspension pieces on it. I still have the little catalog and all the part numbers for those cars. 
the, I got the I got part numbers and catalogs from the early seventies when you could buy a complete ZL one. Uh-huh. Four twenty seven. The carburetor, distributor, the wires, the bell housing, the clutch, twelve hundred and seven bucks. Twelve hundred and seven bucks. Today it's twenty four thousand. What's that motor worth <laughs> today? You just said twenty four thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So Bob, tell us about now. You you did some drag racing too, and you first got into drag racing around 1958. What was your first car? Yeah, I had a '58 uh, uh, 210 Chevrolet two door. It came with a a factory 283 290 horse fuel injected, and uh, it was a three speed on the column, and it, it wasn't very fast. It was 14 second car, and. Uh, I got involved with racing with this this guy Rick Clyke, whose whose family is down in uh, North Carolina right now. And he, at the time, I was a young kid, and he he was a little older than me. And he installed a six lug Chevy truck rear in there with a six fourteen gear. Cool, that's Steve. Uh-huh. And it, yeah, that got me that with big American Mag slicks. Uh-huh. And, uh, that got me down into the twelves, and we ran uh, D gas. Uh-huh. He had A, B, C, D gas, E gas even. And uh, I, I raced that car in Detroit and won the D gas championship in uh, 1960. And uh, the, it, the Nationals moved to Indy in 61. And uh, I was I finished second there against two guys with a 57 Chevy. Their name was Joe Harudka. Who would believe that Joey and Tommy Harudka would be Mr. Gasket? Mr. Gasket, exactly. oh. That's exactly who they turned out to be, right. No kidding. I bought gaskets from them. They were stamping them themselves out of boiler material. <laughs> Which brings Rutka up... Brothers. There was a, a guy I just met the other day at uh, a local shop down here. Uh, it used to be Fichtner's uh, Machine, and I guess it got bought out by a guy by the name of Chris Nelson. So there's a plug for you on the air, Chris. And the guy that I met there was a guy by the name of Mike Valerio, and he used to own Competition Engineering, and I guess he sold out to Mr. Gasket, right? No, I think he sold out to Moroso. Oh, he sold out to Moroso. Okay. Yeah, CE, Comp Engineering, yeah, to Rick Moroso. Okay. Or, uh, not Rick Moroso, the dad. The, okay, uh, right. I'll get my story straight here, you know. Yeah. I've been brushed up. Okay, so after the 50H Fuelie car, then what'd you, what'd you move up to then? I, I got into just a 60 Pontiac Street Driver convertible. Uh-huh. Three-deuce car. It wasn't fast. Ran high fourteens, and uh, I I paid that off, and I ordered a uh, sixty-two four twenty-one Super Duty car with the aluminum front end and the dual quads, four hundred five horse. Uh huh. There was three of them sold. It, that it, had the uh, aluminum exhaust manifolds, didn't it? Just for the yeah, quarter mile. Those yeah. big down, those big swoopers that came down. They were like headers. I'm not sure where the aluminum or well, they made, I, can't I know that they made it for the quarter mile cars and made aluminum exhaust manifolds because the car wouldn't run long enough for them to melt. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. You, uh, when yeah. you ordered a car, you could order uh, your rear end for, through the dealer for a spare pumpkin, you know, any way you wanted it. So, so, uh, so what kind of times did that car turn? Uh, that wasn't very fast either. Stock it was like thirteen eighty nine for a forty one hundred pound car. It wasn't bad with. The kind of tires you had in them days, mm-hmm. but uh, after a while we got the thing down into the high 11s with Pontiac power. When certainly uh, you don't have the the good technology that you have today, because a car like that today they run in the nines today, 
basically the same car with new Pontiac power, you know. Uh-huh. And after that, I, I, I wound up getting a 63 409. I didn't have that very long because they were penalizing me for car insurance. Oh. <laughs> having a hot rod, you know. Okay. Well, these were these weren't your primary cars. These were second cars, right? Oh, right, second cars. Yeah. Okay. Who are the guys? I bought a '64 Pontiac convertible after all that. Another kind of like stayed away from the drag racing unless you had a car that was just a race car, you know. Uh huh. Who are the uh, the other two guys that had the lightweight Pontiacs back then? Because I remember you telling me a little story about that. Yeah, well, Mike Garfinkel uh, and a guy named Steve Crum. Mm-hmm. They had uh, they had quite a few Pontiac guys. Uh, Ray Besick, Mike Garfinkel, Steve Crum, Bill McCard, uh, Ben Weber. It was a racing club. Today you got, it's Rick Johnson and uh, Larry Kaufman, and uh, uh, they 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 run that Pontiac circuit around here. They're they're pretty fast today with Pontiac power. Oh really? For old men, you know. Are they running old and run them cars today? What kind of classes are they running in? They're still running vintage stuff, then, right? Uh, I don't know really how they categorize. That's just the Pontiac guys race amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. Around here in drag racing, they're getting away from a lot of that bracket racing with computers, and they're calling it index racing. Seven ninety, eight twenty, eight fifty, eight ninety. Mm-hmm. Dial seven ninety, and the closest guy to seven ninety wins. You know, you could. Be quicker. You just have to slow yourself down. Okay. But, but uh, it's uh, and, and actually paying some money back. Uh huh. And uh, there's just no money in that. It's just a big empty hole you throw all your money into. You know. Well, that's more of a hobby thing nowadays. You know, yeah. so those guys are doing it because they're retired or or they've got uh, you know they got the nostalgia there. They were there back in the day. They were the the ones that uh, set the records and set the trend. So it's not like they got to break any records anymore. You know, history was history's done. You know, now they're just having fun. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, well, it hey. is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, expensive today. Yeah, that's true. It is. You know, so I'd say it's like an expensive hobby. But uh, anything automotive related, you know, because the cost of everything, and you know, you can't do it on the street like you used to. You can get away with stuff. So you're kind of relegated to the track, which for a number of reasons, you know, good reasons, obviously, but. Uh, but um, yeah, but still, it's I a try great to sport. Stay away from all those racing motors today, because everybody wants to use nitrous. And on Saturday and Sunday, they all melt the pistons, and they want it fixed on Monday, and they want to blame me for their motor melting down with their nitrous. You know, too much juice. So, well, we we try to stay away from the hot rod motors and just build street rod engines and mom and pop stuff. But hot rods. I would say over uh, forty some years we. We got documentation for about eight thousand engines we built. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a lot of motors. Yeah, well, it's, it's really not when you consider uh, how many days that is, and uh-huh. the way we used to mass produce them. You know, we would uh, clean them, bore them out, and have them stacked up. You could make them make something in three, four, five hours for anybody that had the money. Mm-hmm. At one time, I had about three hundred and fifty engines in stock, all done. You could just walk into like going to a, a clothing store. Pick what you Pick want. Out of off the rack, yeah, any way you want it. So you had uh, various horsepowers, big blocks, small blocks, all kinds of motors. You got it. We would dyno uh, a few different combinations, and then is this dyno? They'd say, well, no, here, this is built exactly like the dyno engine, though. So, you know, you know you're going to be close. What can you be? Three, four percent off if you built it the same way. Mm-hmm. People would buy them. 
I used to have a lot of square footage there in Chicago, but I'm down to a small shop now. Just worn out, burned out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got some good stories about Nikki Chevrolet. So tell us about Nikki, because everybody that was from the Chicago area, up actually the Midwest, knows about Nikki. So tell us the early days at uh, Nikki Chevrolet, and then uh, towards the end there. Yeah, I uh, I worked at Nikki, uh, not full time, but part time. But Nikki, uh, Nikki was a superstore for. Buy a car, they take the motor out, put any kind of engine you want in the car, and they'd have the takeout engines laying there where anybody could buy them. And in the early days of Nikki, the Stefani brothers, they uh, they had the Meisterbrau racing team, the Scarab cars. Oh, okay. In it's... their back building. Did you see the Scarabs? Right? The Scarabs. Oh, had they it. had Meisterbrau had a, a shop over on uh, North Avenue and South, uh, not South, Sheffield. Mm-hmm. And then the. They had scarabs in the back of Nikki's shop there. Yeah, the scarabs had the Travco motors in them. Right. Yeah. They got old man Smokey Nagumo. He was a, uh Asian guy. He was a genius. He, he could build anything. They also had, uh, in them days, they had Bill Thomas racing. The he cheetahs. was back there. You had Dick Carell, and you had uh, Jungle Jim Lieberman. Jungle he, oh. he, out of the back of that place, they had all these guys they were backing. They even even Jim Hall. Remember the guy from England? Yeah, yeah. They had they had cars. Jim Hall. I think maybe sixty five. He a chaparral fame. Jim yeah, Hall. He got, that was he Jim. Got, that was Jim Hill. Oh, wherever he got a, a, a injured and Jim killed, you know. But Bill Hall. I got no. They, they were they were big. Nicky Chevrolet. They, they had everything. You know. Did they get a lot of factory? Um, a lot of uh, GM support, basically. Uh, that's probably what it really was. They backed them up, similar like in in Detroit. You had Burger Chevrolet it was kind of like a Nikki. Mm-hmm. Today you got your your Scott and Dickey Chevrolet in Texas and your Pace in Ohio, and that's that's about all that's left of them super places. Uh huh. I, I think I think Nick, we had a real big snowstorm in '67, and the Nikki didn't have any business for the longest time because the city was shut down, and it seemed like everything. Uh, Everything slowed down for them, and uh, I don't know what happened. But in 1977, they they closed out their speed thing, and I went over to the shop they had, and I uh, they were having an auction, and uh, I bought almost everything they had in that that uh, speed place they had. Uh huh. That was 1977. I mean, I can't believe it's that long ago. So uh... they had engines in crates, and then they had everything. Did Basically, uh, that's how I survived with crate engines, and then got away from it. And uh, crate engines are back, but uh, they're, they're going away now. Their uh, GM dumped the big block, and Bill Mitchell's not making crate engines anymore. And it's—I uh, don't know what it's going to become. You know? Uh huh. Well, now what are uh, they doing? They're going to a generic. Well, one real, one real quick question about Nikki Chevrolet: How the where the backwards K come from? Do you know? I, I don't know how that that started, but uh, I I've you know, never a backward K. Uh, they're still. You drive along the Chicago Expressways, and you still see some signs up on buildings with the backward K out of Nikki. No kidding. Paint the paint's all fading out, and they still have some of the advertisement up there. Well, if you ever run across an old Nikki Chevrolet emblem, you know the old metal ones that were on the back of the cars, grab one of those for me. I'd like to have one as a souvenir. Oh, I'm sure there's a. Uh, there's one guy that's taken over. The, he he thinks he's uh, 
uh, in a market to Nikki Chevrolet. I guess he paid for the rights to use their decals and t- sell T-shirts and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I don't really know who the guy is, but he, he's out there. Uh-huh. And uh, they've probably got duplicates of that. Well, there's nothing like an original, though. Yeah. I know I saw him one day at a, a car show, and he gave me a packaged T-shirt to wear. <laughs> uh, oh, and, tell uh, us that story. That was a good one. I remember that one. The guy, the guy's, uh, he said, I own a Nikki Chevrolet, but da 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 And I go, I never heard of him. <laughs> and I'm standing there talking to him, and this guy that worked at Nikki, Don Switek, he worked there years ago, and he says, what are you talking to this guy for? Don't you know who this guy is? And the guy, kid looks at me and he goes, no. He said, he worked at Nicky with me. <laughs> and and the, the, kid, the kid wouldn't leave me alone after that. He wanted me to talk about the Nicky days. Uh-huh. And uh, he says, well, I never heard of your shop. I says, well, I've been there 40 years. How old are you, 25? You know. <laughs> so it's... Uh, well, Nicky was into all kinds of racing. He was into road racing, drag racing, oh, okay. just everything. Yeah, and uh, short track, oval track, all kinds of stuff. Hey, you did you got involved in uh, building boat engines uh, for offshore boats and stuff like that too? There for a while. So tell us a little bit yeah, about that. Uh, oh, he moved to Florida. Mark Berman. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He was at Marina City in Berman Automotive Marine. He's in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Now he's a big time guy down there building offshore motors. But uh, used to have him out in Lake Michigan. I remember I met the guy one day. I was uh, I had a drag boat and I put it in the water in Diversity Harbor. I was going to go to a race in the Kentucky, and I was just it rained and I was just, I backed it in the water and tied it to the trailer, and I was just revving it up. And he, this Berman guy comes in underneath the bridge into the harbor and he wanted to see what all the noise was. That's when I found out that he owned uh, a Pico Marina, which was became uh, Marina City Marina on the river there. And he became a good friend. And uh, a funny thing about that day I was testing that drag boat, I got it still tied down to the trailer, and I'm revving it up, revving it up, and there's a guy standing there. He looked like he was two sheets to the wind, and he says, you're never going to get that thing off the trailer unless you untie it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, we're just trying to break the new motor in. <laughs> so what is so what was... Yeah, uh, yeah, that was funny. But... Uh, did they, even, did, even now, when I, I, I'm still involved in some boat drag racing. A friend of mine uh, races pro boats, and uh, they're going to uh, Arkansas next week to race. Got a 240-mile-an-hour hydro. 240 uh, miles an hour? Yeah, on alcohol. Wow. Is that What are they running? They're running quarter mile, or is that a, round tr- is that a circle track? Quarter mile. Quarter mile straight. That's just yeah. incredible. We were watching uh, TV the other day, and some guy was doing a... Uh, Drag boat, and he was in a canopy boat. I was watching it with my yeah. son the other day. And the thing took off and then nosedived and totally submerged and then bounced back out of the water. You know, yeah, you so. got to have a capsule on all that. I think the rule is now if it runs quicker than eight seconds, you must have a capsule. I mean, on the water, I can't imagine that. You know, yeah. I've, I've gone 10 seconds in a car before, and I can't imagine eight seconds in a boat on the water. You know, a well, friend of mine that owns this hydro, he uh, went to Kentucky to race. And they were down there happy that he showed up. He says, uh, unfortunately, you got to race uh, some guy, Billy Joe, Bob, whoever he is, you know. And he says, oh, well, we got to race him any sometime. And he goes and looks at the boat, and he goes, you're kidding me. This is the guy i got to race? He says, this is my old boat. 
<laughs> I bought it from Bob back in 1983. And he, he, call, he calls me, he says, hey, come by my house. I got something I want to show you. You're the only guy that can answer the question. And I go over by his house, and here's my old drag boat from 27 years ago in his driveway. He, and it's turnkey. He brings it out to these races we have here, in this local racing on this uh, up here in uh, Illinois at Blarney Island. And he comes out and set, uh, knocks everybody off. First time in the boat. Jeez. Uh, that's 27-year-old boat. Still looks brand new. Was that a uh, fiberglass boat, or is it a fiberglass of yeah, wood? Yeah, called a Brendella. Brendella. Where uh, are they? Yeah, what? it's a jet boat. Oh, it's a jet boat. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he bought it uh, with a uh, 638-inch rear Morrison engine in it. And it's, it's fast. It runs like low sevens. And he can't race it anywhere because you got to have a capsule now. Oh. So he just plays around with it up here at the local races. How long is that boat? Is that about a 20-footer, 18-footer? 20-footer, yeah. It's a 20-footer. Okay. Is a flat bottom, or it's got a little V to it? It's a pickle fork. Pickle so it's, fork. Uh, got a tunnel underneath. Oh, it's a tunnel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Gotcha. We had a guy on our radio show here a while back. His name was uh, Gary King, and Gary King used to race uh, um, circle track boat racing. Uh, I guess that's the right term for it. But, circle um, water. Yeah, circle water, I guess, you know. And uh, he used to run uh, Boss 429 motors for a long time. And then, of course, when the Ford got out of racing, he got into Chevrolets, and he was running some 496s. And uh, so we had him on here, and he was talking about boat races that were going on down here in the Intercoastal and Lake Megory and some of the other lakes around this area. So um, boat racing is kind of cool. And, of course, you know, in Florida, we can do it all year round. Up there where you're at, you got to yeah. you need icebreakers in the winter. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the early 80s, uh, I went to High Point, North Carolina, to race and. uh I met a guy down there that had a real fast hydro. He's a household name today. His name is Rick Hedrick. He Rick. owns Hedrick Racing. Hendrick? Yeah, he was racing yeah. hydros in them days. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, at High Point, North Carolina. No kidding. Rick so we're, we're talking uh, Jeff Gordon's. Uh... Jeff Gordon's, yeah, the main man. Okay, well, there you go. Rick Hedrick, yeah. I'll be darned. I, I haven't seen him anywhere because I haven't been anywhere where I could see him. But I, I uh, it's a strange, you know, small world where how that stuff happens. You know. Tell us about some of the, uh, you know, at your shop, the Chevy shop there in Chicago. What part of Chicago is that now? You said it was what the Upper North Side? Is there a specific name it's for it? The Northwest Side of Chicago. Yeah. Northwest Side of Chicago. Okay. Yeah, and, it's about five miles from where Wrigley Field's at. Oh, okay. You've heard of the Dubs, haven't you? The Dubs? The Chicago Dubs? D-U-B-S? Uh, no. <laughs> I've, I've heard of it, but I have no idea. Is that a, uh, oh, you talking about the Cubs? <laughs> yeah. I got gotcha. you. Uh, no, you know what? We if, if it doesn't have make noise and go round and round, I, I don't even know what, is a, is a football that funny little oval-looking thing? That's something they yeah. throw around. Or is it a round, little round thing with little dimples in it? I can't remember. I don't know anything about that kind of stuff. We're yeah. not really sports geeks here. We're just kind of like... Uh, you know, car yeah, guys, I, motorheads. I like the yeah. How do I get on this thing? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, used to uh, tell you, you, um, you know, some of the guys that you used to run into because I know you used to go to a lot of the uh, the big shows, like down here in Florida, and you used to go to the PRI show, and you got some big shows up north. Who are some of the people you used to run into there? You know, some of the big name guys. Down in Florida. Well, not necessarily down here in Florida, but up there where you're at, you know, because you had those big uh, trade shows up your way too, and I know they have them out west and. And uh, they probably have them in Vegas and stuff like that. So, you know, guys like Keith Black well, I mean, and Edelbrock. Anybody and, you see on the 
on national television, you know, I mean, uh, I know most of the people. Because uh, I know when I you... Was, uh, I was at uh, uh, SEMA one year, and uh, this old man that used to own the Great Lakes Dragway, Broadway Bob, you, you got to see this guy. He wears underwear and glasses and wild Hawaiian shirts. He's, he's 80-some years old now, but he'd say, well, well are you going to be in Vegas? So he says, yeah. He says, well, where are you going to be? I says, well, I'll be in the Hilton eating lunch on Monday. And you're sitting there, me and my wife, and you, you hear the announcer goes, oh, is uh, Bob Roswellson in there? In the restaurant, Broadway Bob is looking for you. And everybody's sitting there goes, he's over here, he's over here. I turn around, and here comes Broadway Bob wearing a, his underwear and his goofy hat. <laughs> he, you know, it's so embarrassing. And he said, how oh, are you, my friend? He says, are you going to be in a show tomorrow? I says, no, I'm going in today. He says, well, today is cool. It's not even open. I says, Broadway, you're going in the show today. He says, uh. I can't. I said, yes, sir, I got manufacturer's passes with your name on them. You're going in with me. I'm a, I'm a manufacturer's rep. So we're walking in the day before setup day, and anybody in racing knows Broadway Bob. They're yelling out, hey, Broadway, hey, Broadway. And some guy will yell out, hey, Bob. And Broadway sticks his hand out, and the guy walks up to me and shakes my hand. And he, looks at me, he looks at me, and he goes, at the end of the day, he says, you know, I think there's only one more guy more popular with the name Bob, and he said, that's Bob Hope. <laughs> he said, I can't believe how many people in this place know us. And it's not even, the show's not even open. But he at Broadway had all the famous guys. He's, he's real good friends with Don Gartlett. So I, when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame down there, uh, I had a, I went with him to Gartlett's. We flew to Atlanta, from Atlanta to Daytona, Daytona. We got to go by Don's house. He got a limousine and took us to Don's house, you know, and Mm-hmm. in the museum, and Broadway had a tuxedo on. And uh, I, I couldn't believe how handsome this guy was. And he ducked him into the Hall of Fame. But he's he's a real nice old man, but he doesn't own the track anymore. He just hangs out there. But uh, he's a character. But he sure knows everybody in this country in drag racing. Unbelievable man. What about some... Uh, no, I, I had him out here, uh, these Thursday night boat races we have. Uh-huh. Uh, when when he sold the track out, the new owners got the Whit Bazemore and John Forrest to come for exhibition racing. Mm-hmm. So they showed up on Thursday, and uh, they came over to my house here, and we went out on my pontoon boat to this, this island where they race all these fast boats. And uh, they got there in about three minutes. They they looked at the boats, and they said, Did you see those girls in the bikinis over there? They quit looking at the boats, and they just hung out. This place had about 5,000 people on it with 2,500 bikini girls, and them guys, all they were doing was watching the babes, you know? <laughs> they didn't care less about the racing, you know? Yeah, it's just another race, race boat, big deal. <laughs> they were south, man. They showed up late at the track the next day. They were, we, I had a boatload of friggin' alcoholics. Hmm. So, uh... Yeah. The um, so some of the other shows that you went to up there, like you know, you went, you mentioned SEMA, and of course you went to P, you go to you attended a lot of the PRI shows too, right? Or how many PRI shows are there? There's one here in Florida, and you have some of those up north too. Well, PRI is now maybe uh, 22 yeah. years old. It started like in Cincinnati, and then it went to Nashville and Louisville, and uh, it was at Indy for what 15 years. Mm-hmm. Then it went down to Orlando, and it's probably going to stay in Orlando because in Indy they started a new show called the IMS. Uh-huh. 
it's a week before PRI, and it's, they say it's going to be as good as PRI, but Who knows? here in the automotive business, PRI is the place to be. SEMA's not that great anymore. It's more like a car show, but but it's Vegas, so people go there, you know. And so PRI is for all the guys that are looking for hardcore racing parts and all oh, the latest yeah, in technology and equipment and stuff like that. Hey, Bob. Right. Uh, we, I just got my five-minute warning here. I want to uh, thank you for coming on the air. Uh, we had a great time. Um, you're going to be at the PRI show this uh, fall in uh, right. Florida, aren't you? So, because yep. I know you spent a couple months out of the year, the winter time down here in Florida. So, if you get a chance, and you know, hopefully, we'll still be on the air by then. You could uh, come in and make a sit down with us and make a personal visit. What do you say to that? Yeah, no problem. Okay. So, uh, I'd get- like to go over to that uh, that shop that's down there. When you look at Mike Edwards' Pro Stock car. Oh, yeah, Art Applied Racing Technologies. Yeah, Applied Racing Technology. His Their name is on the car, so I wouldn't mind taking a ride over there. Okay, yeah, that's right here in Clearwater. That's out by the Speedway, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mike Edwards is kicking their butt in pro stock. Is he? Yeah. Old well, man, showing well, him the way to go. I know a couple of the guys, Corky and uh, Steve King and those guys that work down there, so I'm going to have to stop in there one day and say hi to them. But... Uh, at any rate, i got to move on here, so I want to thank you for calling in, and it was uh, great to have you on the show as a guest, and uh, be sure to uh, stay healthy. Okay, and, Robert, and nice keep, talking to you. And keep kicking, and uh, next, if I ever get up that way to Chicago, uh, I'll be sure and look you up. And if you okay. come down here this fall to the Florida PRI show, you know, look me up, and we'll hang out together for a while up there, all right? Oh, well, we'll be there in December. Okay, cool beans. Okay. All right, thanks for calling. We'll see you. Hey, thanks, okay. see you. Nice Bye-bye. talking to you. Yeah, bye. Okay, Lee, how many seconds we got left? I got four minutes left. Okay, hey, well, anyway, we don't have time to play any more songs, but I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. Hope you guys found uh, our friend Bob Rasmussen from the Chevy shop up in Chicago real interesting. And uh, he's got some great stories. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's hard sometimes to talk to people on the phone. It's much better when you got them here live in the audio in the studio, yeah. you know, because it makes it a lot easier. Because in the show, you know, when you, cause you can't take a break. You just got to keep talking and kind of keep them going. And, uh, you know, and you got to kind of, you know, jog their memory a little bit and, and, and my memory, too, sometimes. And uh, but at any rate, so uh, hey, uh, you guys are all tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We're just getting to the closing end, so I want to say thanks to a couple people that uh, are some of our sponsors, and I want to say a big hello to uh, Jim and Sharon at Ice Cold Air Discount Auto Repair right in downtown Clearwater. They're well, actually not downtown Clearwater. They're on Court Street, eleven eighty Court Street. Phone number down there is four six one five seven two seven. And I'll tell you what they got going on this week. They got nineteen ninety five oil changes, and they got a free AC inspection. As a matter of fact, the other day when I was over there, the AC wasn't working on my truck, but uh, they were busy. They were so backlogged, so they, their business is doing pretty good. But they can always use more business. So see my friends at Discount Auto Repair, Ice Cold Air at Sharon and Jim downtown Clearwater there or Court Street rather four six one five seven two seven. Uh, I want to say hello to Pete up at Magnolia Valley Golf Club up in Newport Ritchie. So for all you golfers that want to go around and uh, whack some balls on the weekends, you know, give Pete a call up there. He's got some specials going on. He's got some leagues on the weekends and on Wednesday nights, 727-847-2342. And then uh, in case uh, my truck breaks down again like it did last week, I'm going to have to give Lefty a a call at uh, Kotakis Towing, 447-1952. And uh, she'll take care of you. She'll tell you someplace, you know, if you need to be jerked off the beach or and stuffed up here in Clearwater someplace until you can get your car fixed. And uh, got two minutes left. Okay, I got time for a couple more people here. And then, of course, you know, it's uh, Wednesday night, so it's pizza night. So we're going to have to go hit Bro's Pizza afterwards and uh, 
Go see my friend Fred down there at Bro's Pizza, 441-6025. That's Bro's Pizza. Buy it by the box or by the slice or whatever. He's got some little goodies going on. And, again, guys, you got to mention, you heard these these businesses mentioned on Nostalgic Radio and Cars because they'll throw you some perks. So, remember, when you walk in the front door of these places, whether it's Krabby's Beach Walk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, ask for turtle. Okay, they got the bands on the weekends. They got their great sunsets during the week. Their number is 727-210-0988. Ask for Turtle. He'll throw you a beverage. But you got to mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars. That's the key to all this stuff, you know. So uh, how are we doing there, Lee? One more minute, huh? Okay, let's see. Oh, yeah, then I want to say hi to my friend Dan at Golden Classics. Okay, his number is 449-1962. Dan's always got 75 to 80 classic cars on all all kinds of cars. I mean, he's got Corvettes, he's got muscle cars, he's got hot rods, he's got uh, good old American iron. So give Dan a call down there at Golden Classics, 449-1962. And I want to say hello to Lee Montgomery. I hadn't seen him in years and years and years, but he used to be United Speed World, but now he's Speed World, and he's down there off Haynes Boulevard. I guess it's Haynes. Haynes Road down there in uh, St. Pete. His number is 520-1719. He's got a cool little speed shop down there. He's got all kinds of stuff hanging on the walls, keeps a good supply of stuff. He's pretty much on the hardcore racing stuff, so if you... Uh, well, you got a little of everything, you know. So if you need the carburetors and if you need the, the heavy-duty stuff, give Lee a call down there at 520-1791. Uh, That's Speed World. That's Lee Montgomery. And I guess uh, we got to say goodbye. So tune in next week to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Al, thanks for hanging out. Okay, sure. See you then. Next We're week. out of here. Drive safe, guys. Try to run.